0: continuing with the, the uh, four foundations, body, feelings, and the last two are what are called mind and mind objects or citta and dhamma. And all, all of these are foundations for tranquility and insight. Oh, the foundation of the body, tranquility is, is holding it, getting to it, getting in touch with uh, uh, body consciousness, consciousness of the body, where we can feel the body and, and allowing the, that awareness of the body to calm the mind, so the consciousness becomes very tranquil. The consciousness is always in these terms, in this teaching, it means the sense consciousness, so the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, sense of touch, and uh, the mind as a sense organ, as a sense base, so uh, that uh, the mind when we practice tranquility the mind can experience a, feel, a definite feeling such of calm pleasant feeling of calm or an unpleasant feeling of, of agitation not getting it right just as a, the eye can experience a uh, see something beautiful and uh, uh, pleasure arising there, or can see something ugly and displeasure arising. <coughs> now, these, when we're looking at, at Veda now, we're recognising that this, these consciousnesses all uh, meet in the, in, in, the, in the mind, but uh, the consciousness is the medium for that. So you can't see something as ugly unless you have an eye, obviously enough. But unless there's some kind of interpretive cognition there, then the eye just sees and there's no recognition of that. So the, the, the sixth, sense consciousness, which is sixth sense consciousness, which is the mind, works on the other five. So tranquility, means that you begin to infuse the, the mind consciousness with a, the a feelings of which are calm, steady rhythm. With insight, then you're also using the the body consciousness as a base to to look into how the mind is, is feeling. Because there's always that separation, isn't there? We can feel something And that can, say, make us feel good or calm or peaceful or not. So you you, you use the meditation on the body reflecting back into the mind. It's not that you're not contemplating the body, but you're aware within that realm of contemplation, within that activity or that relationship, you're aware of the subject as well as the object. And this is insight. With uh, tranquility, you're more... Just focusing on the object, and and every and, and not really taking the subject into account, looking at the object, <coughs> insight the subject and the object, and then feelings. Now, so one of the, the fundamentals for insight for reflection is we, these three characteristics: change. Unsatisfactoriness, selflessness or non-self, things do not belong to some entity or being. They they, they have their nature, they come, and they arise and pass away. They don't actually belong to anyone. They belong to themselves. There's a holding and a feeling of identification and a feeling of 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 being that, but when we when we cultivate insight around that, when we've actually contemplated those those feelings, that kind of um, notion. When it occurs in a meditation we see that that is always really just a way of expressing some kind of holding on. You know, wanting it, not wanting it, trying to push it away, trying to make it last longer. And that, that slight tenseness, holding, tightness, which is a uh, Gives the, the impression, leaves the impression of an entity that's doing it. Uh, if you, you know, if you, for example, if your body is tense and tight, it feels more solid, doesn't it, than if it's relaxed? When it's relaxed, then that uh, perception of the body is a more flowing, changing thing. There's energies and rhythms and movements within the body. When it's tight, when you're you're frightened or you're you're angry or in some way, you're tense. The body feels very dense, doesn't it, and, and hard. And we we feel very much uh, unified as a self. But through stress and or fear or anxiety, not it's not a pleasant released unification. It's a being oppressed. So the the for the most experience of selfhood is one of feeling confined. Defined and confined into a particular point in space, time, or an attitude, or a belief, or some kind of viewpoint, or stance, or emotion, we feel we are that locked into it, and it's not—it's certainly not what we're looking for. In any way that you can call liberation. So, this, these three characteristics are once you've learn them or you began to witness them put them to to the test of your own experience on with the contemplation of the body which you can uh, experience a little more detachment from it's a solid thing you can look at it you can see it around you body you can you can feel it with its distinct sensations it's a heavy very distinct and coarse thing compared with the mind. Which can be pretty heavy and coarse too, actually. <laughs> Sometimes even heavier and coarser than the, the body. But the, the mind is so much more quick, isn't it? And, and elusive. can be huge and raging at one moment whispering and quiet, seductively calm, innocent, inane, in, in a second. It's like a proteus, a protean chameleon, it's always changing. This is why, you know, you, you're trying to it's get the foundations, the tools, working on something that's a, a little more uh, easy to to, uh, to sharpen your wisdom on, the body. And then we, but we have to work with our minds, don't we? If you're just doing contemplation of the body, then you still have to deal with the mind states that come up. And uh, so, foundation or establishment of mindfulness on the mind and mind objects is to some extent, uh, essential. Otherwise, you, you find yourself just constantly ignoring, pushing away every kind of mind, object or state as a distraction. Or unconsciously holding on to some as attainments, some kind of mind state or mind object as what we are or as, or as an attainment of some kind. Or then, at times when we haven't got any tranquility, complete feeling, completely baffled, overwhelmed, and lost and confused by mind states. So these are to be come to, to come to terms with and to be liberated from through through this satipatthana mindfulness practice, insight practice. It's not very easy to get tranquility going on, on, on mind. Unless the mind itself is tranquil. But insight can work on a very limited level of tranquility. So there's hope Because <laughs> with insight what you're doing is you is you're letting go, letting go, putting aside the ways in which we identify and hold with using these characteristics. remember now, Change impermanence is a letting go. To notice that things move means we're not fixed upon it. You know, there's, to, to notice something move, you have to get off it. If you want to watch a, uh, you know that a train's moving, then you get off it. It's very apparently moving; goes past you. So that this, to to really contemplate change, there is a letting go. There is, a, there is a detachment. Now it doesn't mean that when we detach that the train's gonna stop moving or it's gonna be other than it is, but at least we'll know that in any moment now, it will pass through, it will come it will go. Maybe another one along in, right on its tail, but <laughs> even bigger and, and uh, louder, but <laughs> that'll change too. So, also, you're, you're with insight, you're bringing yourself back to this point of where, where the awareness is. Sometimes, changing objects we don't feel especially liberated just because they're changing. So, well, it's still horrible, even though it's changing, and it's getting from bad to worse. That's how it's changing. I see not see anything so wonderful about that. But re- reflection, reflective capability, turns the back. So who is watching? What is the watcher? You know, there is awareness of these. And then we are cultivating these five indriya, the five support faculties, to invigorate this watching. So, this this watchingness becomes something that we remember, we bow to it, we bring it up in our reflections, in chanting. And um, we care for that, we cultivate awareness. Just like a precious, precious uh, child, we have to look after and, and wean and raise and nurture. So The, the devotional and the supportive uh, aspects of meditation practice, patience, kindness, benevolence, beginning again, and then we, there, that quality becomes more, say, tangible. But certainly, pr- we call it. We can call it presence of mind. There's a presence of yes. There is. There is a knowing. And strangely enough, we, we we can feel a little more free. I think. Yeah, it, this certainly things are unsatisfactory, but there's a calm about that. There's a, there's a that's the way it is <coughs> feeling about it. And sometimes we can find ourselves just laughing at our at the things that go through our minds. Think, what a lot of rubbish! <laughs> but it doesn't seem dis- doesn't <laughs> seem despairing. It seems a relief. to think, Oh, it's just all rubbish, isn't it? They're, they're, that's not a final statement because, with that statement, there's a recognition of there's a knowingness, there's this, which is not the rubbish. It's not that, and we we don't have to find ourselves in this rubbish heap. We have to kind of root around amongst the old discarded memories and worn-out hopes and and you know the the junk, the, the rubbish heap for for some self in there, just as well, isn't it? because actually we we're, we're looking at that and with jitta nupassana my or insight into the mind contemplation of the mind then this is comes around when this uh, there is a foundation of some degree of presence, of self-presence, or a presence of, of a quality of knowing that can stand back and and not really have to make anything out of itself or or say, you know, I'm this or I'm that. or It's a quiet kind of knowing but it lets things pass, it lets things change, it lets things be the way they are. And at first that's about all you can get really, that's about as, that's its its birth, it's still in the cradle, you can't expect it to say run a mile but it's there. And the first is just an ability to wait be patient, maybe hang on, keep beginning again and not be so convinced by the, the the emotions that come up or the despair or even the feelings of having got anywhere, it's just that much (coughs) and then we can actually start to practice, start to give this uh, some exercise to do. In the Satipatthana then the Buddha describes A monk abide contemplating mind as mind. A monk knows a lustful mind as lustful, a mind freed from lust as free from lust, a hating mind as hating, a mind free from hate as free from hate, a deluded mind as deluded, an undeluded mind as undeluded, a contracted mind as contracted, a distracted mind as distracted, a developed mind as developed, an undeveloped mind as undeveloped, a surpassed mind as surpassed, an unsurpassed mind as unsurpassed, a concentrated mind as concentrated, an unconcentrated mind as unconcentrated, a liberated mind as liberated, an unliberated mind as unliberated. Contemplating mind as mind internally, externally, arising phenomena in the mind. Mindfulness that, that there is mind is present, just to the extent necessary for knowledge and, w- and awareness. And he abides detached, not grasping at anything in the world. And that monks is how a monk abides, contemplating mind as mind. is Mind as mind, the way it is. You're actually looking at these mind, what, what is the mind? then these are the clothes that the mind wears. It wears lust, it wears the absence of lust, (coughs) hate and freedom from hate, concentration and the lack of it, liberation and the lack of it. Now when we say liberation in this sense, it doesn't mean a complete, final liberation, but the temporary stilling of the hindrances, such as when one has good uh, concentration. When you develop uh, good uh, samadhi, good concentration faculties, then the mind goes very quiet, still. There's a feeling of of uh, of peace, tranquility, liberation from from freedom from suffering. For as long as that lasts, and then when the concentration wears out, then of course the whole show can start again. So with this even recognising the, the stillness of the mind or the, the quietness of the mind as just that much. We're not making anything out of it as a final statement. Because the... the with using these three characteristics for reflection, then when the, the mind is still, just the identification with that. And this is quite a... Uh, problem for for meditators is this idea of of getting something as as just as an idea. It's not that there's no reward or fruit, but that it, it occurs in a different way, a different level than the self view would have it. The self view would like that I am liberated. I have I have this feeling, I, I did it through concentrating I got to this point and I'm at this stage and this is it. Here it is. But when there's reflection there's this mirror goes back Ooh. who? Who is that? What is that that has that? There's this still the feeling of there being something or entity there having it, doing it and now I did it, and now I forgot it, and now it's starting again. Just that quality. So the, the knowing, which at first is aided by tranquility and by clarity, finally has to shake these off as, as attributes, as, as, uh, as something that it has. wanting to hold on and then the when we are uh, when the mind has lust, greed, hate, delusion, confusion feeling oppressed, feeling contracted and so forth so with, with those there's more the not wanting to have isn't it? I mean this is obvious and yet sometimes we have to make things obvious because we can be so instinctively fighting against mind objects and mind out of an unresolved attitude that this is what I am. I have all these problems, I'm depressed, I'm unhappy, I'm sad, I'm going crazy, my mind is all over the place. Now it's not that you say yes. (laughs) So it is. So it is. (laughs) Busy little thing, isn't it? (laughs) Just that, mind is mind. And then it comes and goes, doesn't it? The the depressions, the agitations, the convictions, the holding positions, they, they, they come and go if you don't. Keep recreating them and reconfirming them. If you just cultivate this, this bare knowing and this um, detachment, dispassion. Now we can get very passionate, not about, about our defilements, can't we? A passionate. Go out and kill the defilements. Smash through the hindrances. Break down the ego barriers. Kick out every last shred of delusion, with passion, or uh, a passionate onslaught uh, to to the deathless, like the, the kind of the last um, campaign, Seventh Cavalry, charge on the deathless <laughs> into Nirvana, under the six hundred. With all our indria flying and everything, you know, this is it, any moment now, the great breakthrough. But all you ever really get with that is the sound of the cavalry and the bugles blaring and the, all the hurrah hurrah. And you don't, you know, after a while it just, you just get worn out, running around in circles, trying to, to convince oneself or hold something. So this is just a a reflection to consider why even the tranquility of the mind is not finally not a final liberation, and the confusion of the mind is not is not any kind of final. attachment. So you know, round, it's, um, So we don't need to be de- uh, dejected or elated. So the tranquility of the mind is, there it is, and then there's the agitation and, and mess and horrible memories and, and personality habits, and then that. But there's no indication of, of self. I think uh, people who you may have well been doing retreats for for many years and experience this kind of on off feeling where you do the retreat and you think, yeah, this is getting really yeah, I'm getting things together, just slowly, slowly and then, you know, you go out of the retreat situation and you keep it going for a few days, maybe a week or two, and it starts to just Wear down a little bit, and then two months' time, it's kind of—it's just a, uh, a memory that actually causes you pain. To think of where you were at, and now you're not. So three months after, you better go for another retreat, I suppose. Try to. And then on the retreat, it's still—it's you know, getting better and getting better and getting nearly there. Or there's a—we don't—we feel. In other words we identify with the experiences rather than make use of them. So there can be with that a, a, a never-ending hunger for experience and despair with experience. A hunger for the more, more pleasant things that we can identify with and a despair and a, and a feeling oppressed by experiences that we don't like. And that despair can actually increase over meditation because we can think I had it you know I, I really I was getting it together I my mind went quiet and tranquil and still and I really thought I knew and then I three weeks later I was just screaming at the neighbors again losing my temper went down the the bar and got drunk Kick the dog <laughs> on the way back, <laughs> which if we if we hadn't meditated, we'd probably think it's pretty normal behavior <laughs> 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 We'd make That's what everybody does you know, on Friday nights, or just the way life is. And, but then, when you she feel you've attained something, then these these any kind of greed or depression or, or hurt or or foolishness becomes even worse doesn't it think, oh no you know because you on one level you've seen through that <coughs> you realize that's not what you want to be and you don't you don't like that side and there's a possibility for something else that's better and yet you find somehow you're still getting caught up in it and we can do this for years <laughs> it's, it's merry-go-round for years, because what has not been seen through is the self-view. And the self-view has been there rock steady through the depression, the tranquility, the happiness, the unhappiness. It's been totally unquestioned and unchallenged. As a self we go up as a self, we go down as a self. Uh, So this is the this is the real uh, obstacle Hindrances are not obstacles; they are hurdles, it's an, and they are exercises to see how well you can hurdle, how well you can manoeuvre around uh, restlessness, uh, doubt, dullness, irritation, and craving, sense desire. These are certain; these are the five um, hurdles, but they're not. They're not walls, they're not, they're not, they're not really barriers that you have to smash through. They're just there to test out because with these, the, the one thing that they all pull you up on is the feeling that you have them. You've got them and you shouldn't have them. Now we can't say that these are by themselves benefits to our practice and yet in a strange way they can, they can shake us out of our self-view. And that's all that you need to do with them, is to recognize these as changing not-self, as impermanent and not-self, and not what you are. It's things that you don't intend, you don't do with clear conscious awareness, you don't do thinking, now sit down and focus my mind and try to work up a whole load of, of anger. It kind of it bubbles up, doesn't it? Out of, the, out of somewhere and there we are desperately holding it back, down, 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 trying to hold it back or not holding it back. But whether we hold it back or don't hold it back, the instinctive and immediate response is, this is me and what I am, mine, me, mine. That seems such an inconsequential reflection, doesn't it? Well, you know, it's me or mine or not me or not mine. It's still nasty and unpleasant and horrible and ugly and disgraceful and I shouldn't be like that. And after all you, the teaching I've had, you know, disgusting. Yuck. That's why the, the, it, this is a reflective thing to actually take the, the, the time and the occasion to, in one's life, you see, to turn around and actually look into who, who that is, what it is. Not why it is, or how I'm going to get rid of it, but, but who is it? And the, uh, and the holding to it, the very, very feeling of pushing away, or moving, or being drawn into. This is the focal point for it, for insight. It's just the holding on, just the self-view, the identification, the forgetting that things are changing. And whenever we're delighted and and caught up with something, then forgetting that things pass away and don't fulfill us. Even the tranquility of meditation will not finally fulfill you. No, so in in reflection, we have to know for ourselves um, what is the movement of this, the response to our mind. When is there pushing away? When is there uh, grabbing hold of to increase? And then the the way of the of the spiritual practitioner is rather daring, an act of faith is we go against that. We incline away from that. Whenever there's something about ourselves we, to- we think is utterly rotten and horrid then we, we're not trying to increase it but we, we, we smile upon that. things that are most despairing and unloved, unlovable. We, we smile upon them. And things that we think are so wonderful, we look on with a cool, equanimous eye, attention. Mm. Don't hold. <laughs> it's lovely, it's fine. It's, Don't grab it like a beautiful flower, isn't it? You can't say they're they're other than beautiful, but if you crush them in your in your hands, they don't look so nice anymore. So the very idea of attaining anything at all has to be completely forgotten about, because whenever you get that notion into your head, then as soon as there's anything that looks like the right thing, you underline it. Ah, this special state, put a little circle around it. And it was, remember it, in other words, hold it. And sooner or later, that very clenched attitude will take you back into despair, losing it. Wondering what to do with it. Feeling one is something, being deluded. Looking down on others, losing one's uh, wholeness, one's view of life, getting caught up in a particular belief or ideology or or system of some kind, and then when the whenever the dif, the defilements or the um, unpleasant emotions arise, we become even less capable of. Of looking at that through the, the attainment idea, much more difficult to to recognise attachment when you've believed in non-attachment, bought into it as some kind of personal attainment. I better just forget about all that. Now that we become totally willing to be with the way way it is in a in this balancing, sensitive way, not an inert, careless indifference, but the, the fine balance of neither holding on nor pushing away. Now, as a, as a practice, then you, you establish yourself on the, say the mindfulness of the breath. Now, the, a tranquil sign in the body, and you contemplate that, and bring your attention down into your body, particularly around the the chest region. If you get too much up into your head, you find that the thoughts, uh, you know, the art, it tends to stimulate the thought centres. But when you come down into to the heart region, you know, focusing your attention there, this is, you know, see for yourself, but. I find this helpful for myself so but you whatever suits you anyway just there are different ways you can you can focus upon the breath and there just look at how how you're just roughly how you are if you like as you as you're meditating are you impatient are you feeling just about hanging on or getting into your stride or that. You're not really analyzing it particularly, just getting in touch with, with that mind. And as you're able to, to detect that there's this mind quality that's uh, responding to what one is doing, and getting a clear or clearer picture of that, or clearer perspective on it, begin to let go of the, the breathing sign. Once, you, the mind, once you've got in your attention a certain steadiness, let go of the breathing sign and just watch what happens any thoughts whatever arise and then when, you, when you've lost or the, the clarity has gone and you're identifying and, and trying to find some place to go or what you're going to do about this that and the other thing, just go back to the breath Breathe out, breathe in, start again. And you're gradually extending beyond the body. But you have to do this, first of all, a little bit at a time, because it's rather like learning to, to, um, to swim, to take your foot off the bottom of the swimming pool, or one hand away from the bars, have a few splashes around, then get a mouthful of water, gurgle, gurgle, and then quick get hold of the bar, spit it out, relax then let go again. So you, you, Then gradually you, you develop a kind of fl- ability to float and to, to finally to swim and dive and move around in this realm of mind without any hankering holding on, grief, sorrow or um, excitement about it, level an economist. And also, with the walking meditation, you can use the, the footsteps, the standing, um, or when you're just walking around in the center here. You're walking along, and then there's thoughts and feelings rumbling through. And, uh, and when they take you away, you, know, you get lost in it. Notice that feeling of feeling of, of when you, the moment when you recognize. Oh, here I am again, oh, you're caught up in this, that. Then keep that moment, make that moment a special moment. Not just a a moment of of guilt, criticism or judgment moment, but a moment when you, you wait and let that moment speak for itself. The moment of knowing, the moment of recognition and then just stay there and you'll find that if you just stay at that moment of recognizing even that you, you know, you're caught up in, a, in some crazy fantasy, just keep your attention there and you'll, you'll, you'll see that the, the fantasy, or the, or the grudge, or the daydream will, will, will evaporate. And you don't have to, you know, bring yourself back, push it away and oh, nearly got caught there, or, another battle with the, the enemy. Because if you just hold your mind upon that moment of awakening, of recognizing, then the, that in itself does, does the practice. That awakening quality is the agent, not the self. Not the self who leaps in and makes a mess of it. Saying, oh get back, don't do this, you fool, you've lost it again. Or any kind of judgment. From the self-view of, of "I am meditating," but let let the the Buddha do the do the practice. much better at it than you are. <laughs> and if you if you have taken refuge in Buddha, this is the this is the the blessing of it. Now you can rest upon the Buddha's virtues, wisdom, and and experience. You become the heirs to that that. That tradition, that legacy of awakeness, and then, so that you don 't have to make it anymore, and what awakens is this quality in all of us, this Buddha quality, not uh, some person who's going to get there first, who's more enlightened than anybody else it's only it 's only the Buddha, and then we see our lives in perspective with a kind of gratitude and Humility and softness, and respect for this Buddha. So that your life is then lived with, a, in a hushed way, in a feeling of awe, that this, that this, there can be this, awakeness around our life as it is. And our life as it is somehow is freed. From the, the burden of self importance, self conceit, to allow ourselves to, to live this life quite with an innocence to it the way it is. So continue. I'll see if this will help you in your practice today. I will see some of the the retreatants this afternoon. Um, say a oh, group.